Hey, everyone. This is Chris Ryan from The Ringer. As many of you have heard by now, we lost a treasured colleague and friend over the weekend. Jonathan Charks passed away on Saturday. John was 34. He leaves behind a wife and a son, and we are obviously mourning his loss and sending all of our love to his family right now. If you go to theringer.com slash Jonathan Charks, that's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-T-J-A-R-K-S, you will find a memorial page for John which has links to his GoFundMe that benefits his family and the amazing writing he did throughout his experience. I encourage you to go there. And if you can, please support the Charks family. Briefly, I will just say that John was among the first people that we hired to work for The Ringer. So he was instrumental in defining the voice and perspective of the site. He has as much to do with what this place is as anyone else. And throughout his experience with cancer, John communicated eloquently about the challenges he was facing, both through his writing and his podcasting. You could never stop John from talking about his passions. It's one of the things I loved about him. Over the last few months, you know, whenever we would talk, whenever I would reach out to see how he was doing, I would try to keep it very John-focused. And the next thing I knew, we would be talking about James Harden or Better Call Saul. He really loved this stuff. Uh, he loved talking about it, celebrating it, debating it, illuminating it. We're going to keep putting out our pods and writing while we grieve but we wanted to let folks know that John was in our hearts and that his family was in our thoughts. Thanks for listening. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page, plus start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Welcome to the Ringers Philly special. Shiel Kapadia joined by Ben Solek. And we got a big show today. We have to talk about the film from the Eagles-Lions game. What were we right about after the game? What were we wrong about after the game? And then we got to turn the page. We've got a Monday night matchup in week two. Eagles versus Vikings. Benjamin, what, what is your juice level today? You generally have a high juice level. Where does it rank today? It's definitely still in the high category. Uh, the okay. more I prepare for this game... The shake here I feel about the prospect of victory. Okay. However, uh, win and this is that that's a big deal. This is like you know, week two Eagles Vikings is not a game where it's like the playoff implications, right? That's like Chargers Chiefs, like the, that's at that level. But in terms of debuts for NFC teams with their arrows pointing up in a rather weak NFC, like this is a pretty quick heat check game for for two teams that are really nice days on offense. Uh, so I feel good. I feel excited. I think the Eagles are going to be a good team. On Monday, I would have told you the Eagles are going to win this game. It is Wednesday, my dudes. And it's a little bit of a different feeling internally. <laughs> You're right about the, the mood of the fan base will really go in one direction or the other based on the outcome of the game. I feel like if they beat the Vikings Monday night football 2-0, people are going to be going nuts. And if they don't, well, it's going to be a different story. So we'll get to that game uh, in the second segment. We will give our thoughts on the Vikings. We will offer our predictions on the Vikings. But first, we have our first film of the season. So we we both looked at the all 22. Ben, I wanted to start it. I want to start with the defense. Maybe that's the uh, Negadelfian in me uh, coming out, but I felt like that was sort of the bigger talking point mm -hmm. in this game. Just statistically, this was the third worst defensive performance in the NFL in week one, according to EPA per drive. And the only ones that were worse, one was the Lions, the Lions performance against the Eagles. And the other was the Cardinals 
who played against Patrick <laughs> Mahomes and the Chiefs where, I mean, they just looked rudderless and helpless. So this is not the category you want to be in. But uh, you brought up Jordan Davis in the post-game pod, I thought made some great points. I wanted to revisit that discussion because that, to me, just listening to Eagles fans and what people are talking about this week, that is a big topic of discussion. Jordan Davis playing 21 snaps in that game. So how do you feel now that you've looked at the film compared to what your take was after the game about Jordan Davis? Pretty unchanged. I don't know about you in terms of of the what I saw versus what I kind of expected, what I expected versus then what I saw when I, I went through the film. But Davis played a, a, a quality game when he was on the field. There's like a you know clip of like Frank Ragnow chucking him to the ground, but that's kind of what Frank Ragnow does, number one. And number two, it's pretty late in the down and like there's a lot of bodies around. Like those sort of things tend to get overblown. When Davis was in, uh, he very rarely lost the line of scrimmage. It was extremely irregular to find him pushed beyond the, the point of attack, right, to lose ground early in the down, right? Like he'd get move off the ball like later in the down, but at that point he'd already wreaked his havoc. Uh, he was asked to be uh, a, a slanting player. He was asked to get into one gap at times from the nose and he did that well, right? Like the whole like idea of limited quickness, like he's only a two gapper. No, he was able to play a single gap and like penetrate and get upfield on that. The, the one wide zone where he forced the cut back, he's like a yard back in the, into, the, into the backfield. And in that structure, when he's on the field, the Eagles are in their odd front, right? He's in, he's, he's at a nose. So they've got, three down linemen, they have two outside linebackers, and they have linebackers and safeties in the box to actually fit the run successfully. So to me, I what I saw live, I my impressions of how well Davis played and how good the defense was when he was on the field remained going back into the into the film into the all twenty two. If anything changed, it was I thought that like Fletch was fine. And then you watch the film, you're like, wow, Fletch was rough in, in this game. And, and and we've talked about this a lot, but kind of the dichotomy between those two, their play styles, their strengths, their weaknesses, and who gets snaps when is going to be something to watch for a long time. So I was not as high on, I thought Jordan Davis was okay. I didn't think he was in there as like this difference maker uh, doing a great job. I didn't think that the difference in their run defense was necessarily Jordan Davis on the field or Jordan Davis off the field. I thought it was structurally, and this is what you were talking about after the game. So in this game, Jordan Davis only played in those odd man fronts where they had three down linemen and two players on the edge. Five across. This was this is early downs. We're talking first, second down. If there was any obvious pass rushing situation, Jordan Davis wasn't on the field. So there are a couple angles we have to tackle here. One is his overall performance. You thought he played uh, a quality game. Yeah. I thought he was okay. I, I didn't look at it and say, you know, I was certainly not blown away. I looked at it and I was like, okay, you know, he's okay. Uh, I would expect sort of a, a run stuff. If it's a run stopping nose tackle, if that's your role, I would be like, all right, that's fine. He did that. Okay. But I wasn't wowed by it. So maybe we disagree a little well, bit I think, there. Right. Yeah. Like I like, I, I I hoped to say this in the Sunday post game show, but definitely like the Jordan Davis on off thing is about the structure of defense that they play when he's on, right? Like he's obviously right. good, but he's still one eleventh of the defense. Now, like his impact is kind of like I've talked about him as a math changer before, right? Like because he's on the field, because he's taking two linemen for one block, like he's opening up stuff up for TJ Edwards and for Marcus Abs to come down and fit the run and everything like that. The so I thought like, like the quality of play was 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 fine. I don't think like like Davis was like you know like like Tr- Trayvon Walker for the Jaguars had a better rookie debut on defense than Jordan Davis in terms of, like quality of reps. But Davis was was good. He was what what you selected. The the big hang up moving forward is like why is he only playing in these snaps? Like the the thing to yeah. Davis that will determine like how good of a player he is in year one is if and when. He's put on the field, not in the three down looks, not in the odd front, but in the four down stuff. How good does he look? And that also is a referendum on Gannon in terms of like, could he coach him up? Why is he not being coached up? Why was he not in this earlier if he does look good, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That, that to me is the most interesting yeah. part of this because usually when a player's not playing, you go to the obvious answer and that's that the coaches don't think he gives them the best chance to win now coaches are wrong all the time and we will criticize coaches on here we'll probably do that in a segment very soon but the coaches made the determination in week one jordan davis is not better than the other four 
yeah. defensive tackles we put on the field in pass rushing rushing situations. So he had seven snaps as a pass rusher and 21 snaps overall. And so that to me is so interesting just because going back to the draft conversation, I mean, I thought Jordan Davis was a tough evaluation because of the way he was used at Georgia, because he was a 25 snaps a game player, but then he's this freak show athlete. And man, if he hits, you're talking about maybe the best player in this entire draft. And so we looked at the preseason, we looked at camp and he's saying, yeah, I'm being used a little bit differently here. And then you get to week one is when the coaches have to tell the truth. Forget August, all that week one, when they have to decide who's on the field, that's when you find out what they really thought about, what they really think about players. And they Mm -hmm. told us very blatantly we do not think Jordan Davis is going to be an impact pass rusher right now compared to the other players we have and therefore he's not going to be on the field in those situations that was one week we could be here a, a week from now saying man they played Jordan Davis and look what he did he pushed the pocket all right the stats weren't there, but the film was good. But that to me is pretty interesting and I'm not convinced that it's going to be a significantly different role in week two. We'll see. But I thought, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I thought Marlon Tui Pelotu might have been their best pass rusher in this game. I mean, the impact Marlon, plays. Yeah, yeah. like, You're like there weren't a lot of impact plays from the pass rush. And two of the times I wrote down an impact play from the pass rush, he was the guy I was writing down. And he, we did what? Four episodes last week. I don't even know if his name uh, came up once when we did our first four episodes, but uh, I'm not sure that like that performance on film, the coaches are going to say, man, we he need to get, we're going to get him out of there and we're going to get Davis in there. Now, I think your thoughts about Cox and uh, Har- Hargrave, I also thought did not have a good game here either. So maybe there's more of a rotation. We'll see. But I mean, how convinced are you, uh, you know, that they're going to change Jordan Davis's role or just what do you think about anything yeah. I just kind of laid out there? So it's funny, like, let, let's take a peek forward at the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are uh, first year head coach, Kevin O'Connell. This is, we've had exactly one game to look at their offense, but it's very like classic Rams. Go back and think of like 2018, 2019, Sean McVay Rams. We're going to put our quarterback under center. We're going to, you know, be in like 11 personnel. So 11 personnel is one running back, one tight end. So three receivers, but we're going to be tight. We're going to be in condensed formations. We're going to bring KJ Osborne, who's a receiver in and like add him to the line as a blocker. Uh, we're going to so cousins under center. We're going to bring a tight end in. We'll go 12 personnel, two tight ends, but though both those guys on the line, we'll bring KJ Osborne in and then we go run the football. We're going to run the football from under center. We're going to run wide zone. We're going to toss it. We're going to try to get Dalvin cook outside of you. The answer to that defense is bare front, or excuse me, the answer to that offense is bare front. The, the answer to that offense is the front that they play Jordan Davis in. So against Minnesota, if Minnesota continues to kind of be that way on early downs, because they get into late downs, and they would go gun and they would spread it out and, and all the stuff that, that we expect the Eagles to just put four pass rushers on the field for. But on early downs, that's going to be where you want your Davis stuff. So I would imagine Davis's snap counts go up because the sort of offense that you want to be playing this Jordan Davis package against will be used in a higher frequency by the Vikings in week two. So like the snap is going to go up even if like the philosophy around even if the role Jordan doesn't Davis. change. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if the, the Vikings had a good game against the Packers, Kevin O'Connell looks like he's got his head screwed on straight. looks like he knows what he's doing offensively. If I watch that Eagles game in week one, I'm planning an offense. I go, okay. Whenever we want to run it, we're just going to go shotgun. If we, if any time we we go gun, they don't put ninety on the field, and they put ninety, they, it's ninety three and ninety one. It's their four down boxes, their four down line, and their light boxes. Yeah, I'll run out of shotgun until the cows come home, and they did that quite well against the Packers when they ran out of gun. They ran one back power, right? So put in Dalvin Cook's belly, pull a guard, tell Dalvin Cook to follow the guard, uh, run until the cows come home. No reason not to if, if, if they're going to let you, right? And so what it becomes now is this uh, chess match of I'm Jonathan Gannon. I want to be in this world. I want to be in a world where if you go heavy, I put Jordan Davis on the field and I stop you with a, with a, with a bare front, five down front. Offensive coordinator say, all right, if you do that, I'm going to only run it out of this light stuff and I'm going to run it out of light boxes. I'm going to take advantage of your your low box counts. I'm going to take advantage of your penetrating defensive tackles and your poor linebackers. And eventually, and I'm going to keep hammering that and hammering that and hammering that until you change something, which is always our thing with Gannon, right? It's like, hey, it's been three and a half quarters of you getting beat up in zone coverage. Would you like to play something else at this time? Right? Like, when are you going to make your changes? And so that's the thing is like, even if Davis is really good in the package 
and the package is valuable against certain opponents like the Vikings, if you can't force offenses to run the stuff that they don't want to run, you can't force offenses to play your game. They're just going to, the offenses at this point are too variegated. They're too multifaceted. They're too multifarious to just let them beat you in one certain way. They're, they're all, every team's going to have enough of a gun run package that your 13th overall pick is not going to matter. So that's kind of what's at stake here in terms of figuring out Davis's long-term snap count and what, what packages he's used in. Yeah, I think I, I think you're right. And there were times in that game, even when the uh, Lions, you know, there were snaps in 12 personnel where the Eagles were still, you know, four down and didn't seem to be lined up correctly or have the right numbers in the box and they were getting run all over. So yeah, those two th- those are the two things to watch with Davis. One is, are they just playing more of the, uh, you know, three the odd fronts, the bare front, like you mentioned, and, and that's getting him more snaps or is he going to be used more in the four down packages where maybe they're expecting pass so definitely like an early storyline we have I feel a pretty good one with the Eagles defense now the rest of the defensive performance specifically in the run game they got gashed here a little bit I'll give a couple of my observations you let me know what you think whether I'm off base or whether you have anything to add one thing I didn't really fully consider is that Chauncey Gardner-Johnson just kind of stepping in what a week before the season starts and being expected to be a good player for them. Uh, you know, I'm like, yeah. I probably should have, you know, tried to hit on that before this game because I didn't think he played well here and he probably should not have been expected to play that well. I mean, that's a tough spot to be in, but a lot of the misses in the open field, I thought he, I thought Amon Ra St. Brown was kind of giving it to him on a bunch of these run games where he was coming down and cracking uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and then he just had some missed yep. tackles. Avante Maddox had some missed tackles for sure. James Bradbury, of course, had the big missed tackle uh, on the 50-yard run. So aside from the defensive line getting pushed around a little bit, aside from the personnel packages up front, uh, they were just kind of sloppy with some of that stuff. And uh, specifically, those were kind of some of the players that I wrote down when I was just looking at the issues they had in the run game. Yeah, the proof of concept is so clearly there for Chauncey. Like, you watch a move and you're like, yeah, okay, like that'll play. Like, there's no way that won't play. Um, but they're like, I, I definitely underestimated the difference between like just, just the visual, like the, the, the visual keys, the, the, the experience of the game, understanding what's coming to you, moving from the nickel to safety, right? Like everybody said, like yes. he's only played seven snaps of free safety and he wasn't like playing free safety, but just the game is so different when you're lined up 12 yards off the ball inside the tackle box, as opposed to five yards off the ball outside of the tackle box. Like everything is still the same, but also it's not in the sense that you just have to like, you know, I don't know. It's like if you, if I had to tie my my shoes with the left hand, it's you have to use both your hands to tie your shoes. That doesn't work. Just if you, you know, that would be quite a talent you know. though. If you did that with one, right. yeah, I would ask for a video. If I had to pour my morning coffee with my left hand instead of my right hand, it's like, all right, this is the same, <laughs> yeah. but it's also not. You know what I mean? Uh, so I think they, the Chauncey thing, I think, is going to be a a couple of uh, a couple of weeks adjustment, and then I think you'll be okay. Uh, I know we're talking run defense. I would say that in terms of the most surprising thing or, you know, thing that I kind of like edited my opinions on going back to the film to, as opposed to my like post game impression was I thought that after the game immediately, I, I expected more from Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick. Having watched the film, Sweat played a good game. Sweat, Sweat was, Sweat was winning. Sweat was doing what he usually does. He's, you know, half a second late on some of them, right? Getting a quarterback hit instead of a, a sack or whatever, but Sweat had a good game. Reddick, not so much. Uh, don't know. I mean, like, Penny Sewell's is a really good right tackle. Like, I don't think there's there's too much of a of a, a freak out that has to happen there. Uh, you're gonna have uh, Brian O'Neill, who's also a really good right tackle uh, for the Vikings in week two. So it might still be a little bit longer before we get like a really standout Reddick game. But the Vikings also drop back for a lot longer. Kirk Cousins holds the football longer than Jared Goff does. That gives you more opportunity for your pass rushes to actually get home. But I I, uh, I was impressed with Josh Sweat. Sweat picking up where he left off from last year. Yeah, it's a matter. I mean, they watching the game, it was like they didn't pressure Jared Goff at all. And I still even watching the film, you're right. I think if you had to pick a defensive lineman who had the best, you know, the most number of reps where he said, all right, he almost got there. It would be sweat. I mean, I'm still annoyed by the way the sort of front the pass rush 
aligns with the coverages. I mean, Jared Goff got rid of the ball faster than any quarterback in week one. Like you're not, you invested so much money in this defensive line and then it's third down and you're playing soft zone coverage and you're rushing with four and you're doing nothing to mm -hmm. slow down Jared Goff's clock. And he's hitting set TJ Hawkinson for seven yards wide open. Like this is last year all over again random, to me. Right, as <laughs> Colts fans, like random Colts fan who stumbled on this podcast <laughs> is like screaming yes right now. Cause this is the Eberflus defense. This is it's, it has never been anything but this. And for some reason, some people are fine with that. Yeah. And so I that that was just too, you know, I, I can understand now. I don't like always having the excuse that the quarterback got rid of the ball quickly, but the stats show you that the quarterback did get rid of the ball quickly. And those answers were available to him too often. I mean, in the first half, I'm watching going, okay, this is a little bit different. You know, I think they had a zero blitz on a third down, which I don't even know if they ran one last year. I'm sure they did. And I'm forgetting it. I didn't even know if it was in the playbook, but they got a stop on third down. They had another blitz on a third down in the first half. And I'm going, okay, it's a little bit different. They did blitz at a higher percentage and play more man coverage than they did. Uh, a lot of times last year, but mm -hmm. still at the same time, I mean, they're just getting picked apart by the Lions. In the second half, the Lions score on four or five possessions. The one possession where the Lions didn't score, I mean, Josh Reynolds wide open. They hit him. He has a drop down field. He beats James Bradbury. And then the next play, Jared Goff fumbles the snap. And this is always hard to like draw, draw firm conclusions on film. But man, it looked like the Eagles had a coverage bust where uh, I don't know which receiver it was, was running. I think it was like a deep over past Chauncey Gardner Johnson. He did not get passed off. And I'm going, if that's just a clean snap, I mean, that's probably a touchdown there. So it's not even like they figured it out there. So you're talking about yeah. five possessions where you don't really do anything to stop them. I mean, they had what four to five drops in that game uh they had the botched fumble and so like they had these self-inflicted wounds that kind of helped you but other than that to me it was just another uh very concerning defensive performance for the eagles not what you want to see in week one uh, i know we've hammered the the sim pressure stuff to death but watching the the rep you talked about on film where josh sweat is dropping and they're okay they're rushing four but you don't know which four no jared that wasn't too hard to figure it out like that got blocked up pretty easily and yeah. Jared Goff was very comfortable. So I said this about Gannon last year, and it's hyperbole, but it's like, you know, if you showed me all these great posts that have been written by Smart Football and, you know, just the, whoever your favorite X's and O's writers are on the internet over the last 10 years, and we're like, hey, Shield, go, you know, put this in and coordinate this defense. And I'm like, oh, this, this is really cool. And I try to do it like... I know that's not what it looks like. I know Gannon's putting in a lot of hard work in the coaches, and so I don't mean to discount that, but that's what it looks like when you watch opposing offenses. Like They're not going, oh my gosh, what is going on here? My head is spinning. Sheesh, this is crazy. And so we'll get to the Vikings later, but the Vikings defense was like a totally different performance where you know that they were right. doing stuff that made Aaron Rodgers sweat. So I don't know. I think I just emptied out all my thoughts on the uh, on the Eagles defense there. Do you have any anything else that we missed before we move on to the offense? Do you want to, do you want to like fold in a little bit of like Vikings week two look ahead here because I think like one of the the key points about like all right I saw the same thing on the on the the fumbled snap where I was like ah like that maybe like Chauncey just knew saw the snap was fumbled right away it doesn't really right. care or also I don't know <laughs> uh watching that Vikings film and I wrote about Justin Jefferson's performance uh in week one for the ringer and I bet you a lot of Eagles fans are really, really worried about a repeat Justin Jefferson performance because we all feel very sore still about the fact that Justin Jefferson is as good as he is as far away from the city of Philadelphia as he is. Uh, but a large part of Jefferson's production was a result of coverage busts. The Packers were trying to play a lot of zone coverage and they weren't able to deal with, communicate, and, and handle the amount of motion that the Vikings were using on offense to replace Jefferson, to put him in different places along the line of scrimmage, and then the amount of routes that crossed the field, right? Just you're send one guy going from left to right, the other guy going from right to left, this guy's going deep, that guy's going shallow. Everybody has to be able to communicate across the field who's taking who, who's picking up whom. That was a Packers secondary that was returning five starters, technically, right? Like Jair Alexander didn't really play too much last year, but it was, you know... They were all under Joe Barry, Rasul Douglas, and uh, Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage, Kevin, uh, not Kevin King, Eric Stokes. They'd all been there. In Philadelphia, you have a safety who was, got, who was acquired three weeks ago in Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who's like the pivot point of a lot of these coverages, right? When you're playing in the nickel, you're kind of like, you've got 95 different responsibilities on any given play. You have James Bradbury, who wasn't here last year. Uh, you have Marcus Epps, who was not a starting safety last year. And you saw some struggles in terms of getting connected, 
correct spacing and passing off routes and zone coverage in this game against the Lions. It's not about to get easier. It's about to get a lot harder. And I don't know. I have not seen an arrow in Jonathan's Gan- Jonathan Gannon's quiver, good game or bad game, this year, last year, whatever, that shows me that he is equipped to handle a receiver of Justin Jefferson's caliber who's going to get the volume that Justin Jefferson is going to get. Specifically, I am not convinced that on third and five, they're going to man up and press. I think they're going to play zone and they're going to let Justin Jefferson pick up seven yards. On first and 10 play action, I'm not convinced that the players are going to understand who's supposed to pick up this deep post, who's supposed to take the deep cross, kind of how to pass this off. I, I don't have confidence in the Eagles' defensive backfield to handle what Minnesota's about to throw at them. And if they even, like you said, they played more man coverage. I thought that was good. I wish they'd put guys on the line of scrimmage and play man coverage, but whatever. Even if they play man, like I think Slay is a good corner. I don't think it's, I don't think Justin Jefferson versus Darius Slay for, for four quarters is what you want in Philadelphia. I don't think it's going to go well. Uh, I would love to do this episode a week from today and be so excited to break down all the nerdy ways in which Jonathan Gannon got doubles and brackets and cloud coverage over Justin Jefferson. I remain skeptical that that will be something that I end up doing. Uh, so very worried given what we saw in week one of how this team wants to play coverage and how they executed that coverage with what they're going to do in week two against Minnesota's passing game. Yeah, I think that's fair. Let's take a quick break and then we'll come back. We'll talk about the Eagles offense and we'll dive even more, even deeper more into this uh, Eagles-Vikings matchup. All right, let's get to the film of the Eagles offense. Statistically, Outstanding. 450 yards, ranked third, second in EPA per drive among all week one teams, fifth in success rate, uh, 27 first downs. I mean, really, any by any statistical measure, this was one of the best offensive performances by any team in week one. And I think if you just look at those numbers, like you're going to take that anytime. They score 38 points. One of those was a defensive touchdown, but they moved the football pretty consistently. Let's start with the quarterback. We talked about Jalen Hurts. In the post-game pod, I'll give some of my thoughts here. You know, I thought there was some some good stuff from Jalen Hurts, just some of the, the throws that really stood out. You know, that go ball to A.J. Brown, uh, you know, those four, four verts. He's running down the right sideline. Some separation, not a ton of separation. That had to be a pretty perfect throw, and he made that throw. That was outstanding. Uh, and then some of the scramble stuff. The numbers really surprised me. Ben, I was looking this up. The second highest EPA on scrambles by any quarterback in a game in the last three years. And so like a lot of third down scrambles. scrambles. Yeah. That's going to jack up that EPA. It's like, it's like, you don't, you know, when you're, when you're drawing it up on Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever, you're not saying, all right, you know, Jalen Hurts will scramble on this third down, but it is a built-in part of the offense. I mean, it happens pretty consistently. There will be games where you can't count on it. Sure. But a lot of times you can count on it. And, And the Lions played so much man coverage and had their backs to the line of scrimmage that he was able to take off and really make plays with his legs. There was the one play, uh, end of the first half where the Eagles just had a total protection bust up front where they just let the defense yeah, tackle the John go. Kaminsky uh, shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, unblocked. And a lot of times, I mean, most quarterbacks, that's going to end up in a sack and a disastrous play that sets you back. And Jalen Hurts was able to scramble. I think he picked up a first down on that play. And so some of those stuff, it's not, you know, it's not going to look like Drew Brees and Tom Brady and progression passing all the time. It's going to look a little bit different. I mean, guys like, you know, Russell Wilson, there are different players you have to think about when you're assessing how Jalen Hurts is playing. So I thought that was something else that stood out. A couple other good throws. He had like the the quick out to AJ Brown on the right side. I think that was one-on-one on third down that he threw with anticipation and accuracy. I thought that was a uh, nice throw as well. What did you see from Hertz? And then I'll get to some of the, the things that I didn't like. Yeah, I uh, I forgot how cool. Like, I do talk a lot. Like, Hertz offense needs to become this. He needs to learn how to do that. And, like, this, you got to get better. And they got to be better against playoff offenses. And then you watch the offense. Like, oh, I forgot this offense. is kind of sick. Like, I know the limitations of it. But just watching it in terms of, like, all right, we're just going to, you know, get in a shotgun. We're just going to run a little play action, a little RPO. And we're going to run the tight end to the flat. And... No matter what we do, we're going to get a 10-yard gain because there's just too many athletes and too much space for you to really be able to handle all of this. And it's so simple, right? And end up being like a 20-yard pass to Dallas Goddard, catch and run. Like, the lines get confused by the releases, right? Like, even the first play of the game, right? It's 
you know, ripping Jack Stoll across the line of scrimmage in motion. It's always a keep. So we're going to get that arc blocker, right? Like it's going to be Jalen Hurts on the boundary with a tight end lead blocker and Stoll's just like kicking down corners and like being a Nebraska guy. It's like, like it, you, you forget how this offense does just like a lot of simple things, but they all look the same. They force you to be really, really, really disciplined and have good instincts as a defense. And they have really good, powerful athletes, right? You forget like Goddard, like AJ Brown obviously coming in is like, he's such a good pound for pound powerful dude. But like Goddard, Hurts, Mylotta Lane, like the Eagles are pound for pound. Some of like the hardest hitting guys on offense in terms of the, the size of their players and how fast they get moving. And that often, like the Detroit Lions are one of the toughest defenses you're going to face in terms of like, you know, hardy, tough guys right like they're like really big up front and like they, they you know like you know dan campbell like kind of the whole philosophy there gets gets glamorized but in reality like they've built a culture there of like we're gonna save these corners everybody's gonna hit 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 and the eagles just out, out hit them for four quarters like the eagles offense is gonna is gonna be able to take some games over and like dominate against some really really lighter teams so you forget how cool the offense is and hertz is really really well equipped to handle it the other thing about hertz is like for all the complaining about grambles and there were certainly a couple of reps where there were players that would have been open or there were opportunities like after avoiding a pressure to reset your eyes downfield and see if you can find somebody is that uh hertz's decisiveness as a scrambler is greatly to his benefit uh yes a lot of quarterbacks that are good scramblers kyler baker was this way and baker's not that good of a scrambler um Mahomes tends not be. Yeah, yeah, Mahomes tends not be. <laughs> Mahomes pretty good. Josh Allen does this for sure. Um, because they think they're good scramblers, they dither as long behind the line of scrimmage as they can because they're confident that once they tuck it, they're going to generate a positive play. They've been able to do that across the course of their careers. However, NFL defenses start to get wise to this and are like, "All right, you're going to scramble. We're going to like we we know we need to respect you as a rusher. We're going to come up. We're going to contact you. We're going to make you slide. Whatever." Hertz's decisiveness, his willingness to just tuck and go still gets the jump on opposing teams and they know the book on him it's not like they don't know who he is and they're going to adjust to it it's he so quickly sees space sees somebody turn and figures i can go get seven right now then and 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 makes that decision so instinctively and so fast that it's really really hard to stop now you you can't ask your team to play the quarterback scramble any faster they're not going to cover anyone right and you can't spy hurts because you don't have an athlete good enough like there's 10 defenders in the league that you feel like you could spy hurts comfortably one-on-one uh, that's probably rich that's probably single digits to be honest that is enormous it's it this this game was a was 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 defined by hurts decisiveness and deciding to tuck the ball and go pick up a first down without it the eagles are are losing to the detroit Lions. it's a it's a great point now when you when you phrase it that way and i'm thinking of the scrambles and watching it on film it's exactly how you described i mean he's back there he sees space and he goes could he like are there times where you feel like yeah already could keep his you know you would like to see him scramble and keep his eyes downfield and make a play absolutely but he's picking up so many positive yards in those situations he's so decisive about it now some of the hits had me concerned i would say overall he's much better at avoiding big hits than a lot of the quarterbacks who run so that's I mean, going to be think about think about what Wentz used to be man i mean like it's, it's Oh my it's gosh. such a difference yeah. night and day and like even josh allen yeah. how about josh allen that thursday night like he i mean he's a different built guy but yeah you're looking at those going dude what are you doing it's yeah. a 17 game season here no hurts so. is hurts is decisive he's, he's intuitive as a runner he knows when to put his shoulder down he knows when to avoid a hit like he hurt like it's so frustrating when you have scramble quarterbacks especially black quarterbacks where it's like he should play receiver hurts could legitimately change to running back tomorrow and be an nfl starter He's that like in terms of like like vision and like explosiveness and, and all that like yeah he he could do that he shouldn't because he's an awesome quarterback but that that's the level of skill he has as a runner yeah okay and then the uh, so some of the things I didn't like about it and these are just you know there is obviously some nitpicking here but this is part of the exercise I mean the throw to AJ Brown that we talked about Sunday night the whole shot on the left man that if that's a better throw that could be a 55 yard touchdown because it was yep. it would have been AJ Brown in space versus safety there if he catches that in stride so that was not a great throw the other throw that stood out to me uh, the one to Gainwell in the flat in the red zone he throws low to him and they end up settling for a field goal there so he was off target on that one too I did think this was an egregious game in terms of like 
leaving plays on the field. You know, there have been games with Hurts last year where you say, man, he, he didn't see it or he took off too early or why is he, you know, leaving the pocket so quickly and oh my gosh, there are these guys wide open. Uh, I didn't think this was egregious in that respect. Uh, I thought, you know, like you said, there are times when you look at it and go, all right, he probably could have uh, stayed in there. He probably could have hit someone on this play, but it, it was not the story of the game in my opinion. No, I agree. Uh, to me, like if we're talking... The thing that concerned me the most about Hertz was the fact that, like, you know, okay, like he threw between the numbers more, like he threw some of the slants, like the underneath stuff is not really what I care about, it's the intermediate stuff. We talked a lot about how AJ Brown's skill set was going to allow the Eagles to access this area of the field more. And in that, they have a player of AJ Brown who's so good in this area of the field. If they cannot get an offense working to that area of the field, it will be on the quarterback. Clearly, it will be his fault because they have this caliber of a weapon who can work this this critical valuable yak heavy explosive play rich target area of the field a a mental hurdle that i did not consider i just leaped over is what if the coaching staff just doesn't do it because they didn't right like last year every passing concept for hertz cut the field in half right it was we're going to let you read deep to shallow on the left side of the field we're going to let you read deep to shallow on the right side of the field. We're never going to ask you to, to take your eyes cross country, right? All the way from the left side to the right side of the field. You know, uh, you look at like your Matthew Stafford's, your Matt Ryan's, your Tom Brady's, your Aaron Rodgers of the world. And they have a concept. It's vertical to shallow on the left side of the field. And then the receivers on the right side of the field are going to break into the window, right? They're going to like run, like we call it talk about the backside dig, right? So that receiver on the other side of the field is going to run 15 yards. And then he's going to cut. He's going to come to the middle because that quarterback, that pocket manager, that processor has the ability to read vertical to shallow, saying nothing's open, reset his eyes, reset his hips, and work to the other side of the field. The Eagles never gave that to Hertz last year because he simply was never going to do it. If that initial half of the read wasn't open, he was just going to find a way to talk, run, scramble, create a scramble, drill, throw, whatever. I hope at some point this year, they try to give him that menu back and like try to widen the menu. Maybe like they'll be forced into doing it by like the offense yeah. having to develop. But in this game, it was the same stuff. It was, we're going to give you half a field. Sometimes if we run anything full field, it's going to be outbreakers to both sides with, with shallow crossers, right? So it's you pick a side. We're going to run something over here and something over there. They're not related to one another. You pick the side that you want to go to. And then if you scramble, okay, then there's a shallow to that side no matter what. But in general, like, I, I just intuitively expected them to put more on his plate in terms of passing game designs in this upcoming season. And it really feels like after one week, they haven't. It's one week. They scored 38 points. Right. Who gives a hoot? Uh, but this is the sort of thing where it's like, if you want to believe in Hurts for the next 10 years, you need to start giving him this stuff and seeing what he does with it now. Because you can't be figuring it out when he's on a second contract. By then, it's too late. Can I tell you what was the funniest... Uh Hurts moment I saw. Oh, in the film. I always love these moments. Talk to me about it. Actually, actually, I, there there are two that stood out with the offense. One was uh, Lane Johnson must have gotten the wrong call on a play, and I think it, it was the one I think where Devonte Smith drew a DPI on the left sideline, and Lane Johnson is like seven yards downfield <laughs> looking for someone to block. So I don't think he knew that that was a pass play there, and it was funny seeing him look around, and then that negates the, uh, Devon, the Devontae Smith penalty because it's ineligible downfield. But this one I really liked, and it's not funny for Hertz because uh, Tracy Walker hit him late on the play. It was that, you know, it was a pretty yeah, brutal Yeah, Zach Pascal got up, yeah, yeah. And but what what I love watching uh, the film on plays like that is that you can see the Eagles sideline, and so that hit takes place. I mean, Nick Sirianni is sprinting down the sideline like he's fired up. I mean, I thought Cam Jurgens, yeah, I saw him. He's like ready to fight somebody. You know, Fletcher Cox is pointing, BG is pointing, Devontae mm -hmm. Smith is pointing. <laughs> There's one player who just kind of like hanging out. In the background, uh, I don't even know if you want to guess or not. I don't. I think it would take the rest of the podcast probably for you uh, to guess. I'll let me one somebody. guess. All right. Okay, what's your one guess? This player, I don't know if he's... I feel like... And, and I, sometimes I catch myself daydreaming. I have kids. Sometimes right. they're daydreaming. I don't know if he was thinking about what he was going to have for dinner, uh, something going on at home. But like zero reaction. The rest of the Eagle sideline is going crazy. And one player is just standing in the back with zero reaction. Reed Blankenship. Uh, good guess. <laughs> right position. Kayvon Wallace. Kayvon. Kayvon. <laughs> oh, <laughs> buddy. 
It was so funny. I had to rewind it five times. Like, what is going on here? Everyone's going nuts. Nuts. Kayvon Wallace was just like, oh, it's cool. We're chilling. We'll move yeah. to the next down. So I thought that was funny. All right. Rest my, of the uh, offense. Here's my, my favorite. Di- yeah, go ahead. My favorite funny moment of, of, yeah. of film watching, which this, this is one that I always find personally funny, is whenever there's like a bust in some way, like the Lane Johnson bust, right? The Eagles offensive line actually busted a few times. If I didn't like, if I felt about Stoutland the way I felt about Gannon, that would be the storyline. But like, I think it's just like week one, figure some stuff out. They're also like yes. really, 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 really check heavy. The Eagles just check and change so much more line of scrimmage than a lot of offensive lines do. So it's just going to happen. But the best is when the player who busts is pre-snap the player who's doing the most which was the case in the John Kaminsky pressure we talked about. Landon Dickerson, the left guard, he doesn't slide down with the line. He gets the call wrong. Kaminsky comes right up the A-gap, immediate pressure on Hertz. Before the snap, Landon's like up in his stance. He's pointing at Milata. He's pointing at Hertz. He's like pointing down the field. He's doing all like, I don't know what he's saying or anything, but he's like waving around. He's pushing his arm forward, like in and out of Kelsey's vision. He's very clearly got an opinion about something. And there's a chance it's like, hey guys, what's going on? We're in the wrong call, whatever. And like, he's trying to solve the problem that inevitably happens. But it always looks like the guy's just like, I've got a lot of opinions about what we should be doing. And then is wrong relative to everybody else. That always kills me. It's, it, you see it a lot with with receivers who like don't know what route to run. Before the, oh, I love before, that. Before That's the so snap, fun they're the just like waving their know. arms. Like, yeah. Somebody help me. Oh, Hands in me. the air. Yeah, what am I supposed to do? He's about to snap the ball in two seconds. Yes, those, those things that we take for granted are very fun. Uh, quickly on Devontae Smith. You know, I thought that uh, you mentioned Okuda after the game, and I thought yep. Okuda looked good in this game, which, you yeah. know, good, which, good for him. I hope he stays healthy. Right. And, uh, Great call out. I said, him. yeah, I said in the post game, I wasn't sure if they did like Okuda left and Amani right, and like it just ended up that way, or if they traveled and they did. And Okuda was with yeah. Devontae the whole game, and Amani was, uh, was with Brown pretty much the whole game. And absolutely 10 out of 10 times, you are doing a heavy AJ Brown target game if that's what the lines are giving you. So I, I like Devontae, yeah. four targets, no catches. I'm, I don't think that would happen every single time if you like ran the Eagles and Lions game back and simmed it, but I'm okay with that distribution because the Lions were giving you like the Lions like Amani, but they shouldn't like him that much. That was that yeah. they put him out for the, the the Sharks there. Yeah, the point is to win the game and move the ball, not to make every now in in a, in a course of one game, not to make everyone happy. Now, if we're talking about yeah. the course of a month, then yeah, you have to manage those personalities. And even with that, you know, Devontae Smith had some opportunities. He had a drop. He had a he had a, he had a drop. He had a catch called back for a penalty. You know, they weren't on the same page with those back shoulder throws. He drew a defensive pass interference. There was a screen that got batted at the line of scrimmage. There was a third and six where I thought he was open, uh, but pressure got home and Hurts fled. So like. Like you said, if you play this exact same game 10 times, like he might have 50 or 60 yards, and then it's probably not that big of an issue that anyone's talking about. So I'm not that concerned about it, but I will uh, certainly give Okuda credit there because I, I thought he played really yeah. well. And, and they, they were the most man-heavy team in the NFL in week one. So that was an interesting show. Man-heavy, yeah. and they blitzed a ton against the Eagles. So as every week we look yeah, at how our team's going to attack it's, the Eagles. Yeah, yeah, it's intense. Um, is that third so, and six? Is that the one where he ran the pivot route, right? Where he like, he like came, he comes into the middle of the field and then he breaks out. I think that's right. Yeah. He was open. Jalen spent about four seconds staring at AJ Brown before he decided to tuck and run. And that okay. to me is the thing that I do get worried about with the target distribution is like, uh, Amani on, or excuse me, Devonte on that play had Will Harris on him. Ex safeties, the guy that AJ Brown beat for the deep, the deep ball. You should like that matchup. And you should like your, your route runner, even third and six. Like it wasn't at the sticks. It was just short of the six, but still you should, you should like that. I do worry about the, you know, deep Jalen Hurts, AJ Brown brotherhood friendship. Plus also like AJ's obviously incredible start to the season leading to some like, oh, it's third down. AJ Brown, AJ, 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 AJ. Why isn't AJ open? Why isn't AJ open? AJ open. Like Dallas Goddard's just like with nobody around him. You do have to watch out for that with a quarterback like Hurts because he can bird dog at times. And that was my, you know, I thought overall the game plan was good. You mentioned that slant flat RPO to Goddard uh, mm-hmm. on the third down. That was beautiful. I mean, you you re- you don't see a guy get that wide open. They had another one where Pascal, uh, you know, came in motion. And I don't know if that's like a split zone motion and then leaked out uh, into the flat there. And he was wide open. I love the screen call to Goddard after that, uh, you know, the the, the 
hit on Hurts. I thought they caught the Lions there in a good spot. So there was a lot I liked about the game plan. Some of those isolation routes and high leverage moments, like fourth and five, you know, it was third and five, and it was just Devontae Smith one-on-one back shoulder. It was fourth and five, and it was A.J. Brown one-on-one to the sticks comeback route. Like, I don't love those over the course of an, unless you just like love the matchup so much and you feel like you can hit it. I do like those high leverage situations sometimes uh, scheming it up a little bit more, especially if you know you're going to get man covered. So just something to keep yeah. an eye on going forward. Anything else with the offense that you, I, by the way, I agree with you with the offensive line. It wasn't like a guys were getting beat cleanly. It was more confusion. Shoot, yeah. miss, you know, oh, nothing. Shoot, let this guy go through nothing. Yeah. That was all that concerning to me. Nothing is killing me more than like the, Week one, Aiden Hutchinson victory lap, where it's like, Hutch, three pressures, good game, looked good. Right? Like Lions, oh, really? Oh, I yeah, haven't even seen that. Lions people are doing it. I think I, Joe Thomas had a bit he was doing for some one of his things where it was like, Hutchinson should have been the first overall pick. What a great debut. And I watch it, I'm like, they didn't block him. I don't know. I didn't think he had a great game at all. Yeah. yeah. I thought he got, there were certainly snaps yeah. where Lane Johnson was moving. Got him. I actually think Dallas, Dallas Goddard moved him on one. I was yeah. like, and Dallas Goddard was pumped afterwards. Like take that number. Oh, it, feel, <laughs> number it feels two overall. great to just bury a top five pick. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. the line. I, one thing I'll say is this in terms, like we have like, let's go back to pain scale stuff. Inevitably, we're going to spend a lot of time on podcasts talking about the stuff that's like a zero and the stuff that's like a six. The thing that's like a two that's going to float around forever that we're not going to talk about too much, but it's always going to bother me. We got to stop trying to make Kenny Gainwell a thing. Like if Kenny Gainwell is a thing, he will he will reveal himself as a thing via his job, the, do, the job he does when he has the ball, the quality of play when he touches it. We do not need to be calling first and 10 tunnel screens for Kenny Gainwell. We don't need to be like getting Kenny Gainwell in for third and eight to run a swing pattern. I Texas know. Ralph. They love a Kenny Gainwell on a Texas route, baby. It seems like uh, he would, gets the ball every time he runs the Texas route. You would route. think I they love drafted him route. in like the second round with the way that they feel so strongly. It's, I just don't. Sanders looked good. Sky continues to look. Brock solid. Gainwell's the third best running back on this roster. I don't think it's close. If like It would be great if you could flex him out in the slot and like, have that be a thing. It's just not a thing yet. Stop trying to make Kenny Gainwell yeah. happen. That's Again, it's like it's not a six. It doesn't actually matter. But it's going to be a thing at every single snap of every Eagles game this yeah. entire year is going to be at least one snap. I'm like, why is freaking Kenny Gainwell? <laughs> yeah, I think you're, you're right. Now, I mean, he's okay. I don't have like a huge issue with him as your third back. But yes, I right. don't, you, don't need to, you don't need to feed him or schemed call up to him. The, Kenny Gainwell got a schemed up, up touch yeah. before AJ Brown got a schemed up touch. That's my whole yeah. thought on the matter. Okay, there you go. All right, let's get to this Eagles-Vikings matchup we already touched on it a little bit here you 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 answered a couple of these questions so we don't need to you know revisit it too much you know we're just going to go five questions one is what do we need to know about the vikings offense i think you answered that pretty well just in terms of some other personnel notes uh obviously justin jefferson they still have adam thielen they still have dalvin cook the o-line might be okay let's see let's see how they look uh in this game but just the mentality is different from Vikings teams of the past where they're looking to score points and be aggressive. They went for it on a fourth down early. They had a possession before halftime where I think there was like 36 seconds left and they were trying to move the ball and score. So just the whole mentality is different. Uh, early, I thought they were one of the best coach teams in week one. Again, it was week one. If it's week nine mm-hmm. and they're two and seven and it looks like they're a terribly coached team, that's possible. But I thought the signs were very positive. In week one, the offensive line, right guard Ed Ingram is probably the guy if you're looking, hey, where's a matchup where you can really win there? Uh, Kenny Clark had some very nice reps against him. I thought last week Garrett Bradbury at center has been uh, you know, not a great player for them. And then they've got a young left tackle in Christian Derrissaw. Any, anything else on the Vikings uh, offense that our listeners need to know? You're smiling. We, we, so I've had a great time doing pods with you. And one of the reasons why is because you start to list what we're looking at the Vikings, like who to attack. And it's like, all right, right guard. Yeah, baby. <laughs> this is what we got to talk about. I honestly, like I, I, Ingram was better than I thought he was going to be, but yeah, uh, young line okay. with some shifting parts is when you are getting in your pass rush reps, you got to win those. It, this is a very, very big, yes. very, very, very big four down rush game because Jefferson is really good. Short yardage break off a quick route, Kirk Cousins, three-step drop, balls out right now. You got to tackle him. You know, he, he turned multiple 
uh, like, you know, five-yard, eight-yard routes into explosive gains against the Packers. you got to tackle him, but, like, that's on the, the secondary. When that ball is out, three-step dropping out, there's nothing your pass rush can do. You can, like, try to get your hands up in the window, but, like, if the ball's coming out under two, Lawrence Taylor on a rocket ship is not getting there in time. So, like, you know, whatever. Where Jefferson really kills you is routes that develop down the field, right? Because Jefferson's ability to, like, be like 15 yards down the field and still like head faking and changing his stride length and like accelerating. Like he can just do so much in that downfield area. That's where he really beats you. Like people talk about him versus the Cooper cup role. That's where he's better than cut. Right. Is when he, when he gets like on a straight line, way, way, way down the field. Kirk's got to hold the ball in order for Jefferson to get there. And they're going to run play action and they're going to boot him. but you gotta, you have to be able to move Kirk off his spot. Like the, the, huge almost touchdown that Kirk threw to Jefferson in week one was like a busted play action play. Kirk hitched like four times in the pocket, but the Packers just couldn't get anybody in his area. And accordingly, you couldn't disrupt the throw. Jefferson himself started to slow down on the route. He was like, yeah, there's no way I'm getting the ball at this time because Kirk's probably already gotten rid of it or already gotten hit. Kirk still had it and there was nobody around him. So huge, 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 huge game for your four, your starting four and their rush, right? And that's Outside or interior doesn't really matter. Honestly, it, it's a little bit more on the interior because your outside guys are going to end up getting nullified naturally by the play action, by the outside zone. So that's one of the reasons why this is such a good offense is like you put extra bodies on the line. You have you force some of these outside guys to start playing edge contain, playing rush contain. You start nullifying some top edge rushers. So big, big, big game for your interior rushers. If we're going to continue to find a way to justify four down looks, Javon Hargrave and Fletch Cox on the field, go affect the quarterback, go affect Kirk Cousins. And we know Kirk. You pressure Kirk, Kirk's going to make some dumb decisions. You yeah. generate some turnovers and get some short fields. Um, so, yeah, that's the line. Talked a little bit about the secondary there defensively. Uh, this game's total opened at 48 and a half. I know that because I bet the over on Sunday. Or it might have been Monday, but Sunday, Monday. It is now at 52 and a half. It not only rose four points, it moved through a massively key number in NFL totals in 51. I thought it was going to close at 51 because I thought it was going to hit 51 and stop. It hit 51 and just kept going, no problem. Uh, so people who bet early and bet big money are telling you that there are a lot of points that are going to be scored in this game. I very, very strongly agree. I don't see the Eagles taking much of the wind out of the sails of the, of the Vikings offense. The only reason the Vikings scored 23, 26, 23? 23, I think. Yeah. 23? against the Packers was because they started to sit on the football. And if the Eagles offense is producing, they're not going to sit on the football. This is a, a potential 30 point game for the Vikings for sure. So defensively, unless you're going to get what you pay for with Fletch and with Hargrave, I worry that the Vikings are going to have a productive day. Uh, what do we need to know about the Vikings defense? That's that's question number two. Again, we touched on some of this, just some of their players. You know, it's this is a team you probably would benefit from playing later in the season because I think their starters are really talented. But I think once they get hit with some injuries, it's going to be tough for them. They don't have a lot of depth. Darius Smith looked really good in mm -hmm. week one. Lines up in different places, edge, interior, standing up, whatever. Daniil Hunter uh, is healthy as well, a, a great pass rusher. When he's healthy, they have veteran defensive talent tackles in Dalvin Tomlinson and Harrison Phillips. They have veteran linebackers in Eric Kendricks and Jordan Hicks. Like their front six, I get, you know, their front six yeah. is, is really good when they're healthy. I think Jordan Hicks, baby. Well, yeah. Good in Philly. Good in Arizona. Looked good in week one for Minnesota. Just a good. See, I think he's been so much better in Arizona and Minnesota than in Philadelphia. In, with the Eagles, I was like, he's okay. He's, he's a player. Oh, bad take. I, bad take. Bad you, take. Jordan you Hicks thought was he was good. a great player? Uh, he was Jordan okay. Hicks was a, was a solid linebacker. The man, he was fine. He was competent. Eagles fans and their linebackers, man. I like Jordan Hicks was it, and we let him go, and then it's just been this <laughs> nonsense carousel ever since. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I agree. So, the Vikings, man, like, I don't know. It's like if you took Jonathan Gannon's defense. Yes. And you gave it. Oh, uh, producer Cliff is saying uh, in, in the chat, anybody that won a Super Bowl is a bird for life. Accurate. Jordan Hicks. Nigel Bradham. Big money Nigel Bradham oh, in that, in that Super Bradham. Bowl run. No, yeah. Bradham was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ed Donatel, Vikings defensive coordinator. This is like if you took Gannon's defense. And Let me guess if it's what you're going to say. Because I was thinking this earlier. Yeah. Yes. This, this is what... You want the Eagles defense to look like under Jonathan Gannon is what the Vikings defense already yeah. looks like under Ed Donatel in week one. Was that yeah, the premise? It, it was going to okay, be, yeah, it was going to be, it was going to be, if you give it ear piercings and a sick tattoo and you introduce it to rock <laughs> music, man, you know what I'm saying? It was, it was like, you know, 
It's like if you, it, it, Gannon's defense is just like straight edge, but top button buttoned. You know what I mean? It's just, it's like it's it's just it's it's the little mousy version of this. This is big boy stuff, right? Uh, like you brought up the point of of Gannon tries to like drop these simulated pressures in and they never seem to work. The Vikings, both under Zimmer and now under Donatel, oh, yeah. commit to it. Right? It's it's we are going to constantly show this. We're going to show this on early downs. We are going to show this on rush downs. We're going to rush really weird people. We are going to make you actually prepare for everything. We are going to scare you with what we put out. At times, does that mean that we give up a really easy explosive play? Yes. Like there's going to be. More of that, like, you know, Dallas Goddard in the flat 20-yard gains for the Eagles. Because you're going to catch the Vikings with their pants around their ankles sometimes. They do chaos stuff. They move a lot of dudes around. It's going to happen. But the juice is going to be worth the squeeze because when we get you into that third and eight, oh, buddy, we got seven cats who can rush, and they're all in the line of scrimmage, right? And that's the thing. is yeah. like the Vikings put Eric Kendricks, Jordan Hicks, Harrison Smith, Zadarius Smith. They put these guys on the line. The Eagles put, like, Hassan Reddick, but then, like, Marcus Epps. TJ Edwards, Kaiser White. You just aren't as scared of those people. Like, oh, our back can pick up Kaiser White. You put your back against Eric Hendricks, good night. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the Vikings actually have the dudes. They've committed to this style of, of, of an offense. Now, or excuse me, of a defense. Now, in the same way that we are still figuring out how much man coverage the Eagles are going to be willing to play and how good they can be in man coverage, Bradbury, Slay, Chauncey Garner-Johnson, feels like it can be good. The Vikings are not going to be a man coverage team. They, they they want to be able to figure out if they can do that. They want to see like to the degree to which they are capable of doing it, but it's not what they want to be. They want to be a zone match team, right? They want to like read the releases of the slot receivers and match route distributions and you know handle space accordingly. But with Patrick Peterson, Cam Dantzler, you know, Cam Bynum, Chandon Sullivan, it's just not a good enough group to play man coverage. AJ Brown for 200. I mean, it's the same. It it it's it's like the the Lions tried to play man and didn't have the horses. The Vikings aren't even going to try to play man because they don't have the horses. And against zone coverage, you should feel comfortable throwing the ball at AJ Brown unless he's getting straight doubled. This is a big AJ Brown game. It's a big Jalen Hurts processing game. You have to be able to see the zones. You have to be able to find the space and get the ball to the space. And if coverage is tilted so heavily to AJ Brown that it's impossible, you have to go find the next guy. Those scrambles, that decisiveness is not going to be nearly as easy. Everybody's eyes are going to be yes. on you very, very quickly into this down. Huge, 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 huge Jalen Hurts processing game for the Eagles. If When you get zone and you have AJ on whatever route he's on, you have to be able to get the ball there on time and in position. Otherwise, they're going to be able to condense the space. So big game for, is, does Jalen Hurts have the, the mental and visual acumen necessary to be a starting NFL quarterback? Huge heat check in that regard. And you can't have the pro- protection bust that you had. I mean, it's, this, it's really the same point, but that you had last week because those guys will. I don't, you know, I don't think they're going to miss. They're going to put hard hits on Jalen Hurts. They're going to strip right. the football. They're going to create turnovers. So, like you said, you're not going to always know who's coming. The Eagles were not good against the blitz last week, and like you said, it's not always going to be the blitz. It's just going to be, hey, we might rush four, but you're not going to know which yeah. four. But really, their only answer against the blitz last week was Hurts take off and scramble. It wasn't, hey, here's a hot route, get rid of the football. It wasn't the yeah, they'll never know, stuff that you they'll never have that in the offense. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, so declarative never well because why bother it's not it's not it's not worth it right like hertz is i think i said this on a previous spot hertz is never gonna throw a hot route it's not it's not his coding right like if you could fly would you ever walk anywhere no because you can fly right i like a good walk you know as you get older the walk okay is you know what you would like better would be a good fly <laughs> soaring uh, can I have uh, like? Can I be listening to a podcast as I fly, or is there like traffic I have to worry about? Because when you're walking, podcast. yeah, no, it's just you. you can. It's just okay. you flying. All right. Yeah. Okay. Am I still getting any exercise? Are my are my arms? Sure, you're burning calories, Shield. Whatever you I want, baby. Okay. Listen, yeah. these are the as you get older, the the yeah. walk becomes very important. I'm telling you. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. You were saying. <laughs> be a uh, hot route's never going to be worth it for Hertz because he can scramble, tuck, and create an explosive in the same way that walking somewhere would never be worth it for you because you could fly, get there faster, and look way cooler. Like, it's just like, it, it, it's going to be a better response nine out of 10 times. I, yeah, I'm very curious to see how much the Vikings blitz because if I am planning for the Eagles, I don't want to blitz. I want it to look like I blitz, and then I want to rotate coverage. I want to drop guys into coverage. I want to make the quarterback think, pat the ball. I want to make him. He doesn't get his first read, because if I get Jalen Hurts after his first read, he didn't throw to the, the guy he wanted to throw it to. And I have seven in coverage, and they're all looking at him. I feel like I won the down. I feel like, because like, he's 
not going to get through his progressions well. And if he tucks and runs, I'm going to have enough bodies to, to punish him for scrambling over time. He's still going to get his, but sometimes I'm going to get mine and then I'm going to get off the, off the field. So I, I expect a lot of, we look like we're pressuring and we're not from the Vikings defense. Okay. Let's get to these final three questions. Quick hitters. Number three, what does an Eagles win look like then? 200 rushing yards, 100 AJ Brown receiving yards. It looks exactly like it did uh, against the Detroit Lions. They're going to run the ball a ton on early downs. I think they're going to be able to move the Vikings defensive front off line of scrimmage. It's, it's a good front. They got good defensive tackles, but I don't think it's markedly better than what the Lions had. So I think it's a very heavy run game. I think they're super ahead of the sticks. And then I think when they need their buckets, I don't see how the Vikings are going to have enough resources to deal with AJ. It's just not the sort of defense that's going to work. It could work if he's running middle of the field, but if he's running isolation on the outside, then it's still just one-on-one. You're still going to be able to find your spot. So I think it's heavy run game, heavy handoff game, heavy AJ passing game. It looks distribution-wise pretty much exactly the same. Yeah, you're going to see a lot of split safety zone coverage in this game. So you should be able to run the ball. That's what I had down. Gash him on the ground, hit on some explosive plays with A.J. Brown. The Packers had opportunities in that game. They didn't convert on him, but those opportunities will be there. I would be surprised if this ended up being a game where they go up and down the field like last week. Like I think it could look a little uh, disjointed, but I do think they can run the ball, hit on some explosive plays. And then defensively, I just wrote, survive. Force a couple turnovers. The defensive line dominates. I don't think this defense, from anything I've seen, has the capability to shut down the Vikings offense. Not that it's the best offense in the NFL, but just from what I've seen from the Eagles defense, when they face competent quarterbacks, I'm not going to give them the benefit of the doubt here. All right, question four. What does an Eagles loss look like? 200 rushing yards for the Minnesota Vikings, 100 receiving yards for Justin Jefferson, right? It's a little bit, it, it's, you have two really good running games, you have two star receivers, and you have two defenses that aren't necessarily built to handle those, kind of what ends up taking over, strength versus weakness, who's able to kind of dominate in the way that you expect, and with uh, Kirk being the veteran passer that he is, and with Je- the game Jefferson's coming off of, I think that you're going to see an Eagles defense really struggle to buy a stop. Their inability to dial up pressure on Kirk is going to be a huge difference relative to the Vikings' ability to dial up pressure, at the very least dial up confusion when they're facing Jalen Hurts. I think you're going to see uh, a good Dalvin Cook game. I think you're going to see the running game be effective because, like I said, they might be in more bare fronts, but I don't think they're going to live in that stuff and live with Davis on the field. They're still going to put their four-down stuff on the field, and they're still going to get beat in it. Uh, And then defensively, I think that I I expect a lot of points. I expect the Eagles to score a ton of points. I expect this to be close. But if you made me pick and you said, hey, one team scores 10 points only, which team is it? I'm positive it's the Eagles. I would be stunned if it's the Vikings. Uh, I would guess it's the Eagles because I think they have the ability to confuse Hurts while also keeping eyes on him, which is going to be the book on stopping this offense. Yeah, I think if they lose, uh, similar to what you said, the offense looks a little disjointed. There's confusion up front. They can't move the ball consistently. Uh, and then the defense is just getting, I mean, Justin Jeffrey, you said 100. I would say, uh, what'd you put the over-under at on Sunday I, night? I said, I said it will open at one, I, no, I said it'll open at like 105. I haven't seen right. if there's an actual Your personal yet. one, though, is higher than that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, there's a scenario where Justin Jefferson has like 160. The defense looks like a complete disaster. And all anyone's talking about next week is Jonathan Gannon. So that's what a loss looks like. And then question number five, what's, what's the prediction? We've laid out what it looks like, what a win looks like, what a loss looks like. Yeah. What do you think? My Lions prediction was 31-16. And for a second there, it was 31-14. It looked great. And I yeah. was like, we are vibing. And then <laughs> things did not finish the way I expected them to. This is 34-31 Vikings win. This is 60 plus points. This is a little bit of like last possession, who gets it. A little bit of like whose turnover is in their own territory versus whose turnover is in enemy territory thing. I think it's going to be close scoring all the way throughout. And I think that, that the Vikings right now, with how well that defense got slapped together, is going to be uh, better in week two. Wouldn't surprise me if week 17, the Eagles feel like the better team. The Eagles have a lot more meat on their bone in terms of improving. Um, but here in week two, Vikings look like the better team to me. Mine's similar. I've got Vikings 27 Eagles 24. I'm not as confident as you are that the Eagles offense is going to put up a lot of points. I don't think they're going to get shut down completely for the entire game, but I could see a stretch of like three possessions in a row where they pick up one total first down and you're wondering what's going on. And they're a little frustrated because I do think uh, the Vikings, the way they want to play is a good way to play against Jalen Hurts. And then listen, the defense, I'm just 
once I see it, I'll give them credit. Until then, uh, I'm not giving them yeah. the benefit of the doubt. They got picked apart by Jared Goff, and now they're going up against a better quarterback, uh, a better offensive coach, a better number one wide receiver, a better number two wide receiver, and a better a better running back. And so uh, I'm not going to give them the benefit of the doubt there. So uh, listen, Eagles are favored, one and a half points, but uh, we both got the Vikings by a field goal. I've got them 27-24. All right. Let's finish with a quick life question, Ben. I felt like this was a very football-focused episode. This is a lighthearted yeah, it's a, one. It's a that, football you know, podcast. It's yeah, it's Eagles. a football podcast. That, I, I guess that's true. Uh, so I had an old guy uh, moment recently where my wife noticed. She said, you have a gray chest hair. A gray chest hair, but now I don't know. You don't. Uh, I don't want to rush to judgment. You don't look like the hairiest guy to me, so I don't. You know, you maybe you got to. Oh, you might be clean shaven. I don't know. You're looking at me like I'm. That's not an insult. Uh, <laughs> I, listen, I haven't seen. I, I'm trying to remember your arms. I've probably seen you in a short sleeve shirt. I don't remember yeah. thinking this. I guy's got. got so I got. Uh, I got real <laughs> thick hair, and then no, I got your hair is outstanding. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. I got hair legs. I got hairy arms. I can't grow a beard. Oh. Man. It's the okay. worst. I want. I, I that's would do good. Any. It's not good. It's horrible. I would do anything. Oh, you to want to grow a beard? I okay. I would love to be able to convince people I'm an adult, <laughs> which it feels like a beard is incumbent to that endeavor. I've yet to successfully grow a beard or convince anybody that I'm not a child. The social team put up a clip of our Justin Jefferson conversation from our Monday podcast. Go subscribe when you're NFL show. And everybody That's right. Was yeah, like, no, we should give that a full a full endorsement. Yeah. Ben and I do the Monday Night Ringer NFL show where we give all our league-wide thoughts. So definitely check that out. Sorry, go ahead. Yes, and in 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 that social clip was up and just go read every single comment. Wow, I didn't know Ben was an infant. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. If I had a mustache, I would not be, but we can't get that thing cooking. <laughs> well, well, we'll work on that. We'll make that a season goal. We'll see where we are at the end of the season. So the gray chest here, here what's, what's the move here? Do I just leave it be and say, listen, it's a part of life. Do you, it's only one. So, you know, there's a plucking situation, uh, you know, just bam, get the tweezers out, get that out of there. Or I guess option number three is just, you know, I don't need the chest hair. Like, you know, I have some friends who will go get their chest uh, waxed, go have a professional go and just get rid of all of it. Then you don't even have to worry about it. So option number one, leave it there. Uh, it's part of getting older. Option number two, give a little pluck and see if another one comes back. Option number three, just, uh, you know, find the nearest uh, place that does the chest waxing, which I've never done, but I wouldn't be uh, totally opposed to. And just, just get rid of all of that. Which I options should I go with? don't want you to get it waxed because I want later in our pod for us to be able to bet on something. And if you lose, you have to go get your chest waxed being the, the bet. So I like that. I'm in on that. that. I'll later. lose on purpose. Honestly, yeah. I'll have an excuse to go do it. I, I would leave it. I'm very excited to okay. go gray whenever that moment comes. Oh, okay. it, 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 but it's the same thing as the other. You got thing. a long time. Yeah. Your hair. I just want to be able to convince, I want to be able to convince people I've lived on this world for a few decades. And for me, <laughs> okay. like, right. Chest hair would be great to that regard. A beard would be even better. Gray hair would be awesome. My, my brother-in-law's 28 and he's getting gray hair. I'm extremely jealous. Makes him look like he's, he's been around and he knows what he's doing. Some guys look great in it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I would keep it, but you're asking a very biased audience. Go find a, you should go find a, a less skewed uh, podcast co-host in some other feed and go ask them. Okay, I like that. You know, I feel like I'm asking you a lot of questions. You, yeah, I'm the old guy. Yours, I should have the wisdom. If you ever Honestly, have any that, questions that was, for me on a future episode, go up, for it. Uh, no, when yeah. you started bringing up a life question, I was like, <laughs> I really need to start paying attention to what I do because yeah. Shields constantly asking me these things. Like, I don't, I just don't. This think is all about I think stuff. about. Uh, it's yeah, all yeah, I yeah. think about. I don't okay. think about football. I think about that was a weird interaction on the street or what is this guy doing? Like I'm just judging people left and right and right. so that I can bring them to the podcast for content. I no, I will st- I will begin starting yeah. my life. Think about it. Through 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 the lens of would this be an interesting thing to ask Sheila about? But I just too many things to go in one ear and out the other for me to, to register at this time. Okay, well, you can look forward to that on a future podcast. All right, we will be back Monday night on the Ringer NFL show. We will have a post-game pod right after that matchup against the Vikings. I guess if anything really crazy happens between now and then, you know, we, we can jump on and do a quick one. But for now, that's the plan Monday night. We appreciate everyone who has subscribed, rated, reviewed, all that stuff. Subscribe, unsubscribe, follow, all that stuff. Please continue to do that. We appreciate it. Thank you to Ben Solak for joining me. And we will talk to you on Monday night.